west to the port of Southampton. From there, a ship was awaiting us to sail to Le Havre. I'd never been on a ship before, except once as a kid on the River Thames outside London, but that was a rowing boat, a far more humble means of transport. We hadn't been given the details of our final destination, although we knew it was in France, to somewhere they were calling the Western Front. France is a big country, and I have no geography. I couldn't have said if it were to the right or left of London, but it stood across from a strip of water south of London known as the Channel. A channel of water. The French call it the Sleeve. We reached the coast by midday. The lower fringes of England. This southern shore faces towards the continent, but you could not see across to the other side because it lies some twenty nautical miles away, or so one of the other conscripts told me. This was not my first sighting of the sea, although it was for some of the lads. I had been taken once on a family outing to Brighton, but I had been too young and stroppy to recall most of the details. My parents had been heading off to the races with my aunt Clara and her husband Bertie. They own a florist shop in Holborn, another part of London and quite close to Islington. My aunt loves a flutter on the Gigi's. All dressed up in their finery they were, furs and bags and glittering buttons, intending to make a weekend of it at the Brighton races. The horse and buggy was outside waiting to take them to the railway station at London Bridge, but I bawled so loudly when they tried to leave me that they were obliged to take me along with them, and so I got to spend a day down on the south coast. Spoiled I was. The stretch of sea I was looking at in Southampton was different. It was a bustling, stinking, oil-slicked port, awash with liners and steamers, jam-packed with any seaworthy carrier the military could lay its hands on. All were being made ready for the transportation of young men like myself across the brine to war. The intense busyness and inevitability of it all quite made my stomach churn. I felt less troubled, more at home, when, amidst the mayhem, I caught sight of a crew of stevedores unloading a shipment of hardwood timber from an impressive civilian vessel that had sailed all the way from India, one of the porters told me. I stood gazing in wonder. There must have been a felled forest aboard that craft. Dad could make fine use of all that, I thought, pining quietly for home and for the workshop and comfortable life I was saying farewell to. After a spot of lunch, before embarkation, three of the other blokes in my regiment, Charlie Woods, Ginger Green and Bobby Masters, Masters is a regular and our corporal, sharp-nosed, a little sharp of tongue too, but he seems a decent sort, took me into Southampton town to stock up on some useful accessories. Soap, boot brushes, lots of notepaper and pencils, a small packet of handkerchiefs, a penknife, a stamp and a comb all tucked away neatly into my kit bag. Our ship was due to sail at 10pm, so after the shopping we had the remainder of the afternoon and early evening to kill, kicking our heels about the town. Our last breath of England this port was to be. For a while, or forever. How many of us would make it back? I felt a bit queasy at this thought, and determined not to dwell on it. Most of the other blokes slid off for a couple of pints, 
Ginger Green, all of six foot three and clearly a fun-loving sort who whistles a great deal, was leading the party. But I bowed out, wanting to save my pennies, but mostly because I wasn't feeling that sociable. I spent the late afternoon alone on the Royal Pier. From there I could see the docks. Some kind of entertainment was underway. It had already gathered quite a crowd, young and old alike. A puppet show, I think it might have been. I refrained from buying a ticket, although I always love a good show. Instead, I chose a bench overlooking the murky strand to scribble a short letter home to my family on the notepaper I'd just been encouraged to purchase. I didn't have much to say at this stage. I wrote, spurred on by pangs of homesickness more than anything else. Even though I hadn't much of interest to impart, I somehow felt it drew me closer to my folks to put the thoughts.